Good morning to all of you. I'm so glad that you are here. It's wonderful to see your beautiful faces. And I hope you've had a marvelous, restful, peaceful week. For some of you that have had some challenges, I know that the Father is real. He's present and He's with us in everything we go through. We've already prayed for Syria, prayed for Turkey, praying for Ukraine. Uh, Syria is my nation. And uh, the northern part of our nation has been struck, as you know, heavily by the earthquake. What I love about America is the sensitive spirit of God's people in America and the people of America, the generosity and what you do when you feel for others. And so I thank God for that. I know Britwood is active in sending help to these two nations I know our, uh, another ministry that I'm involved in with the International Leadership Coalition is helping as well. And as a matter of fact, we have Turkish ministers in here with us in Middle Tennessee that we're trying to minister to and minister through to the people that are there. We have ministers that are from Syria that we're connecting with and we're working with them. And I just want to thank you for being such an awesome, awesome, sensitive bride, the bride of Christ in a time of need. I praise God for that. I also want to celebrate the victories that you might have had this week. And we praise God for all of your victories this week just as well. But I want to, I felt impressed to read a scripture before we begin today. Uh, and again, my name is Fadi. I am the multiplication minister at Britwood Baptist. I'm here serving as an interim teaching pastor, having a wonderful time. Do my best not to mess you up and we'll just kind of keep going together to grow in the Lord. But I want to read a passage that I think maybe of an encouragement to you. Now you've heard it a million times, so what I want to do is read it and I want you to just kind of get into the passage. Kind of feel what the passage offer your heart and your soul today. In light of what God is doing and trying to do to assist, to help, to build up, lift up the people of Ukraine, Syria, Turkey, and others here in the United States and everywhere else. I want you to hear the voice of the Lord this morning. Very popular, known passage, but listen to it in light of what's going on. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. And even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup will is running over. Only goodness and faithful love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that awesome? To know that the shepherd will never leave us especially in times of need, in times of heartache. He draws near. He's already here. But you feel him. You can touch him. You can know that God is here. He's with you. He's for you. He will always be there around you to lead you. Amen? Amen? You, you, you bring your Bibles this morning. Can I see your Bibles? Would you just lift up your Bibles, whether it's a phone or an actual Bible? Whatever it is, just kind of lift it up. Let me know that you love the Word of God like I love the Word of God. Do you love the Word? Amen? Do you love the Word? 
word. Encourage you to love it, study it, be encouraged by it, memorize it, uh, chew on it. Let the principles become part of who you are, part of your life. Let them be part of the journey. It's not a Sunday morning thing. It's a 24-7. You may wake up in the middle of the night and God is speaking to you. And you start praying. You start quoting scripture. It's not when you live in the word, then the word will live in you. Amen? When you live in the Word, then the Word will live in you. And then I know that that becomes real to your heart and to your spirit. We're in the book of Acts. We're going through a series on neighbors and nations. And as we study the book of Acts together, last week we started our journey. And we look at verses 1 through 8. And today we're going to be looking at verse 12 through 14. So we're in the book of Acts. So let me just kind of begin. We'll read in just a moment these couple of verses. But I want to share a story with you this morning. As a shepherd that was kind of passing by, he's taking his sheep, tending his sheep in a desert place that had some hills around it, some mountains around it. And when we think of those kind of mountains, we're not thinking of high, lofty mountains. We're thinking mountains, mountains that could be high enough for us to look up and to gaze. As he he was walking by one of these hills and one of these mountains. He noticed a little bit of grass and then he noticed a flower rising from within a certain bush in, those, in, 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 that, in, in, that, in that surrounding. So he kind of knelt down, stared at it to make sure it's a flower. Notice it's a beautiful flower. So he wanted, he's, he's, a, he's a shepherd, he's in the desert, he's not really, he doesn't see many flowers. So he wanted to kind of kneel down, pick the flower up, cup it to his cheek to smell it. And as soon as he did that, the mountain in front of him split open. And then there was a door from within that split right there, that mountain. And the door opened up and a light came through that door. And as the light came through that door, he heard a voice asking him to come on in through the light. So as he went right through the light, as soon as he walked right into that door, he noticed there was gold. He, he, he saw things he's never seen before. There was gold, there was sapphire, there was diamonds, there was jewels. It was all there as he walked through that door that, that, that the mountain has made available for him. As he walked in, he's never been a wealthy shepherd. He's a young shepherd. He's never had any kind of a wealth. So he couldn't believe himself. He started picking up all these treasures, treasures all around. He picked up the gold and he picked up the diamonds and he picked up the sapphire and he picked up the jewels and uh, he, he picked up the rubies and, and he was holding all of that in his hands and drawing it close to himself almost in unbelief that he now is a man of wealth and he now is a man holding treasures in his hands. As he was beginning to walk out of that place, he heard a voice and the voice said to him, did you forget the best thing? And he thought, what could be better than diamonds in my hand? What could be better than sapphires in my hand? What could be better than rubies in my hand? And the voice again said, did you forget the best thing? And he thought, well, what is the best thing? I think I've got the best thing. And he started to walk out of that place. And as he started walking out, he began to notice the light was dimming. He stepped out of the door and all of a sudden the mountain is shut down. The door disappeared. The light is gone. He looked into his hands and it was empty. Everything he collected, 
wasn't there. And he heard a voice again that said, did you forget the best thing? I said, what is the best thing? He said, it's the flower that opened the door, that opened the mountain, that got you to the treasure. Prayer is that flower that gets us into the vault of God's treasure. Today we're talking about prayer. We're in verses 12 through 14. Would you stand up with me in honor of the living word of God? We're talking about the very thing that causes God to open his treasure vault and leave it open for us to encounter his glory, his grace, his presence for us and with us in in Acts chapter 1 and verse 12 and follow. And if you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. Verse 12 said the Bible. The Bible says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive Grove, which is near Jerusalem. A Sabbath day journey away. And when they, when they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Here's verse 14. And all these were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. I like this translation. I like the way other translations put verse 14. Verse 14 in the New King James and few other translations said, And they continued in unity or in one accord in prayer and supplication. They continued in unity in one accord in prayer and supplicate. Notice there's a precedence in it. There's a unity that leads us not only to come together, but to pray together, to lift up our voices together and be on mission together. They knew that just before they were about to step out into the greatest mission this world has ever known, the global reach that goes beyond Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the world, they had to come together in unity. They had to come together in corporate prayer. They had to come together in ministry and mission in order for them to touch the earth with a kingdom call that God is about to release to them on the day of Pentecost. Father, we pray that you would seal the word to our hearts. We pray that you etch it into our minds. We pray that it would live in our walk before you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now remember, recollect what we did last Sunday morning. We've talked about the, the preparations that Jesus had given his disciples. He told his disciples, he said, I want you to wait. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to wait until the promise of the Father will come. Now, remember, he's talking to the disciples that have walked with him for three and a half years. They've seen mighty and glorious things. They've seen breakthroughs. They've seen cities open up. They've seen crowds following them. But he tells the disciples, even though he has breathed the Holy Spirit on them, into them in John chapter 20, he said, wait until the Spirit come upon you so you could minister in the overflow and the strength of the power of the Holy Spirit when your mission begins as the church. So he's telling his 
sent disciples to wait until the promise of the Father comes. He said, wait, because the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, is what opens door before the gospel. He says, wait, because the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, is what enlightened the minds of those that are really, uh, they're, they're not sensitive to the gospel or to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, wait, because you're going to need wisdom and understanding to walk in the light of the Spirit of God. As you go into cultures you've never been, hear language you've never heard before, go into cities you've never never encountered before. Uh, Face ideology you've never experienced before. So he's speaking to a group of people that are about to go into a gigantic mission, but needs the equipping, the presence, the power, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit of God to be influential, to be effective in their mission. But you know, this is what Harpeth Heights needs. This is what Brentwood Baptist needs. This is what every church right now in our communities need. We need the power of the Holy Spirit of God to energize us, to flow over us, to flow through us, that we may be effective, effective in all around us. And that's what God is calling us to do. Now remember what he said? He said to us, we've learned last Sunday that the Spirit will draw us to himself. First of all, the Spirit comes around us. He woos us to come into to the perfect will of God for our lives. As we discover that we need Christ as Lord of our lives, we give Christ our life. He becomes our Savior, our guide, because His grace brought us into our kingdom walk before the Lord. And now we're walking with God. He not only was around us, He now is in us. And now He comes upon us to empower us to go do the mission of God. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, now that you've come to know me, now I want you to wait for the Spirit of God to empower you. Go back to verse 8 if you got your Bibles. Gaze on it for just one second. And notice what he said. Because I must highlight this for all of us. In verse 8 he said. He said it is uh, when they He says but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. My disciples. In Jerusalem. In Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. I love that. And it's what he's saying. He said I want you to go to Jerusalem. And Judea and Samaria. And the uttermost part of the world. Now he never said to them. Hey. You can go here or you can go there. He never said, choose, where would you like to go? Would you like to go to Jerusalem? Make it to Jerusalem. Would you like to go to Judea? No. Well, well, listen. No. He's not giving us the option between here and there. He says, I want you to come here, and I want you to go there, and then I want you to go to the uttermost part of the earth. Are you with me, somebody? That's the mission of the body of Christ. You and I have our own Jerusalem, which is our immediate territory. Then we can have our Judea and Samaria, and that's our regional territory. And that God may call us to go to a nation to serve and learn and grow and encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. And that's also our missional territory. So it's not either or, it's and, and, and. I want you in Jerusalem. I want you in your Judea. I want you into the end of the earth. I want you to go and see what I'm doing in the ends of the earth. Now, now we get to chapter, chapter 1 and verses 12 through 14. And I love what happens in verse 14. They, the disciples, recognized the need for God's energy in their mind, in their heart, in their soul. God's direction through the Holy Spirit of God. And the first thing they did, they entered together in unity in a corporate prayer meeting. 
They came to pray. How many of you remember that verse that says, My house should be a house of preaching? No? My house should be a house where a bunch of Sunday schools and life groups meet. No? My house should be a place where we come and eat pizza and gather and be impressed with ourselves, right? What is our house should be? This is my house ought to be a house. Say it with me. Ought to be a house of prayer. God said, I want my house to be a house of prayer. And God said for the disciples, before you do anything, encounter these unknown culture to you, unknown languages, unknown ideology, spiritism, and atheism, and Gnosticism. I want you to come and come together in prayer because I release my power through prayer. So they came together united. They came together united in ministry. They came together united in prayer. Now, I'll do my best to speak fast, so please listen fast. Are you all okay? So listen fast. Let me make a couple of statements. In here, this prayer meeting that began in those days, it began and it's still going on even now. That prayer is still going on even right now. It never has stopped, it should never stop. It was a breakthrough prayer. Listen to this statement history is for those who pray, history is shaped by prayer or lack of prayer. History is shaped by people who pray. By people who pray. Now this prayer meeting started 10 days. uh, It started 40 days after the resurrection. Right immediately after the ascension. And it lasted for long 10 days until Pentecost. And the fruit of the coming of the Holy Spirit of God. The first fruit of the disciples obeying the Spirit of God. The first fruit of the disciples coming together in unity. And in a corporate prayer is three thousand people coming into the kingdom of God. Would you like to be in a prayer meeting and the Holy Ghost come in in holy fresh visitation and people long to be holding on to the altar because they want Jesus as Lord of their lives. Don't you want to see that at Bellevue? Don't you want to see that in Nashville? Don't you want to see that in Middle Tennessee in the nation? Don't you want to see it all around the world? My former pastor, Dr. Adrian Rogers, used to make the following statement. The devil laughs at our organizations. He mocks our schemes. He ridicules our good intentions, but he fears our prayers. And let me remind you, history belongs to those who do prayer. And now we have a newly formed body ready to go on a worldwide mission. And the Bible tells us that God gave them three simple things To make them effective and powerful in what they do. First he said, wait until you're endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, come together in unity. Thirdly, come together and pray. The pillar of every effective ministry in the name of Jesus is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Is the unity of the body and it's the powerful prayer of the saints. There is no substitute for prayers. There is no strategy that give us, can give us better success than prayer. There is no plans that could succeed without prayer. There is nothing that could work unless we are a praying body, a body surrendered to the work and the will of God. But notice what he said to them. He says, I want you to first wait. 
Now, for the Christian, for the typical Christian, waiting is a period of ineffectiveness. We just wait. We don't do anything. We just wait. But for the child of God, for the kingdom-minded individual, waiting is a period of focus. I'm not just waiting. I'm focusing on God. I am praying. I'm coming together with other saints. I am ready to see what God has promised come to pass from heaven to earth because I am ready to draw from the principle and the power of what is coming. Are y'all all right? Are you awake? If you're awake, wave your right hand at me. So the disciples have been with God for three and a half years. And they had no clue what they're waiting for. But they only knew that whatever it is, it'll be glorious. Why? Because they've seen the water turn to wine. They've seen a man rising out of the grave. They knew what they're waiting for is going to be glorious. They have seen God taking an arm that was stiff and make it come to life. They have seen the father stopping the son of Nain and make him rise out of the coffin. So they knew what he said. Wait until something comes because he's sending it is going to be glorious. It's going to be absolutely powerful. So let me lay on your heart three quick things. And again, I'll speak as fast with my southern accent. And you just listen as fast and write with your twain language as quickly as you can. Number one, what happened? A question that I want to answer is this. What happened when the body is united? When the body is united in prayer? And when the body is united in ministry and mission? It's really three questions. I'm going to, I'm going to make them look like they're one because I'm a preacher. And then I'm going to answer those. Are y'all ready? What happened? When the body is united, when the body is united in prayer, when the body is united in mission and ministry. Number one, when we are united and united in prayer, united in mission and ministry, God reveals his vision. God reveals his vision. God knew they're about to go out. They're about to face an unknown world. They need to see what I am seeing. They need to engage what I'm revealing. They need to get a hold of what I'm releasing. So I don't want them to just go out and think, okay, well, here's what we're going to do for God. No, I want them to come and join with God, God's vision. I want you to notice some scriptures. Write these scriptures down. What was God's vision for the world? Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. Notice what he said. He said, from one man. He says, from one man. He has made every nationality to live over the whole earth. And has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this. He did this so that they might seek God. And perhaps they might reach out to find him through, uh, th- uh, though he is not far from each one of us. Now, what was he doing? He was releasing his vision for the nations. And he's saying to the disciples that are about to encounter these nations, listen, these are people I made for myself. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, Jewish people or other people, here's what I want you to do. At that time, I want you to lay down your self-righteousness because you may think you're better than anybody else. I want you to lay down your hypocrisy because I want you to understand I made these nations. And with God, there is no favoritism, Romans 2.11 said. So you're going to go out and I want you to have this vision in your heart and your mind. I want you to see these nations through the eyes of redemption. Through the eyes of a redeemer. 
So he's releasing his vision for the nations. And he's wanting them to take part of that vision. As a matter of fact, he said, by the time you're done with what I'm seeing, here's what will happen. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. Listen to it. This is awesome. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered. Watch this. And you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. What's your vision, God? For the nations to be my inheritance. What's your vision, Lord, for America to bring praise to Almighty God? What's your vision, God, for China to worship the living King? What's your vision, Lord, for Israel to declare Him as Messiah? What's your vision, Lord, for Mexico to celebrate Him and adore Him and praise Him? The nations belong to Him. That's His vision. That's His vision. And His vision was from heaven to earth. So if that's the case, then what should our vision be? Mirror and reflection of his vision, which is coming to us from heaven to earth. How should we strategize for ministry? We ought to get to know what God is doing in the heavens and bring it to earth. Amen? That's his will. On heaven as it is in earth. So instead of us trying to be smart and intellect and intellectual and intelligent, why can't we say, God, what are you doing right now, right where you are? I'm celebrating, I'm rejoicing. Well, that drives my evangelism ministry. I want to reach people who praise Him. God, what are you doing? I'm tending to those who were brokenhearted because they came to my presence maybe earlier than they should have been. Maybe, God forbid, they've gotten killed or this. I'm comforting their loved ones. I'm comforting their children. On and on there. Maybe we we ought to have a, a recovery and deliverance ministry. It ought to be from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. That's God's vision. What happens when the body of Christ is united, united in prayer, in ministry and mission? Number one, God reveals his vision. Number two, number two, God not only reveals his vision, God defines his mission. God defines his mission. Folks, this is all coming out of a prayer meeting. <laughs> A prayer meeting. And now God, God, when we are united and united in prayer, God will define our mission. He'll make us sensitive. Not only, this, listen, not only for what we see, but what He wants us to do. Vision is what we see. We don't make up visions for God. We envision with God. What He's doing, He's revealing and we get and we see. That's vision. It's what we see. Mission is what we do. And when we see what we, what he's showing us, then we'll be energized to do what he's calling us to do. And what are we to do as the body of Christ? Write this down. Three simple things. Very quick things. Number one, he said, the first thing I want you to do now that you got a hold of my vision, go and make disciples. Remember, he said, I, the nations are before me, worshiping me. My heart is for the nations. So what's going to happen? He says, I want you to go bring me the nations. Number one, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go love the lost. 
This past week, I was uh, in Dallas. I was in a conference about Afghans uh, that are coming to Jesus Christ. Would you believe that Afghanistan, one of the hardest places to be reached with the gospel, one of the places that persecute Christians at a faster rate than any other nation in the world, the Holy Ghost was working in Afghanistan at a rate that you and I would not even believe. There are thousands of believers that have come to Jesus in the nation of Afghanistan for the last 30, 40, 50 years. And I met a lot of them this past week. I was amazed. There is Muhammad. He was a follower of Jesus. There is Ahmed. He was a follower of Jesus. There is Ali. He was a follower of Jesus. And they're all in the States now. And they've started house churches like they did in Afghanistan. They put their life on the line over there. They put their life on the line in here. And they're saying we're still carrying a burden for the lost of our nation. So what are they doing? They've come together with the International Mission Board to to discern the strategy of God to reach the lost of their nation for the glory of God. What should the church do now that we see what God wants us to see? Go make disciples. Go love the lost. Go discover this God's will. Listen to Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. Are y'all all right? Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, listen to it. It's not new to you, but it'll be new in light of what God is showing us. Here it is. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. What is the first thing we do? Come on. What is the first thing we do? We go and do what? And make disciples. And then we teach them what we have learned. We baptize them in the name of Jesus. Yesterday, I had the honor and the privilege of baptizing a young man from Saudi Arabia that I have led to the Lord. And I won't release his name for the sake of privacy and for the sake of security. But we were in a church in Murfreesboro, baptized him in the name of Jesus. Uh, This is a young man who came out of a certain religion and said, Jesus is my Lord and my God. Go make disciples. Go discover the will of God. First thing we do when we, uh, when God defines his mission, we go make disciples. Number two, number, write it down. He calls us to love our disciples. Make disciples and then love the people of God. Love the lost and love the family of God. Make disciples, discover the will of God. Love the disciples, discover the ways of God. Right? Listen to John 13. Uh, Oksana, who led us in a beautiful spirit-led worship. Thank you, guys. You guys bring us into the secret place with God every time. And I praise the Lord for that. Sensitive, glorious worship. You are blessed to have such an awesome worship team in this house. John 13. 34 and 35. Listen to one of my favorite verses. I normally sign in my letters either this, this verse, I mean these two verses, or I would sign Galatians 2.20, my life's verse. But here it is. I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What should we do now that we have seen what God has shown us? Now that we know his vision and we are envisioning with God, one, we do what? We go make disciples. Number two, we love the disciples. 
Go make disciples discover the will of God. Love the disciples discover the way of God. And number three, here it is. Send the disciples discover the work of God. Send the disciples. Here's another prayer meeting in Acts chapter 13. Uh, The disciples have come together and they are praying about who to send into new territories, into new places. Why? Because God is having them envision what he's doing in their surrounding places. Now remember Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and the uttermost of the earth. Paul comes out from the road to Damascus, making his way toward Antioch. He gets to a place there. Now they're praying over the apostles. And who should they send? Listen to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. The Bible in a corporate prayer meeting. They're praying, united and praying. Here's what God said. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a close friend of of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And listen, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And then after they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them. They sent them off. Listen to verse four. So being sent out, the Holy by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. What happened in a corporate prayer meeting? God said, I have brought the lost into my fold. I have loved and discipled and equipped the lost. Now it's time for me to send the lost. What does the body of Christ do now that we have been envisioning with God His vision for the nations? First of all, we make disciples. Number two, we love the disciples. That literally means it's not just a fellowship and a pizza. Loving them, it means that I invest in them. I equip them. I take interest in their calling. I develop the gifts of the Spirit inside of them. Loving them means that I bring them into the fold and bring them near into where I'm living. That's loving them. Taking interest in their future. Now that has that happened, now it's time to send them. And now Paul and Silas are going into a new world world to bring that world to Jesus Christ. What do we do when we are on mission for God? We make disciples. We love the lost. We love the disciples. We discover the ways of God. And then we send the disciples to do the work of Almighty God. What happens when the body is absolutely united what happens when the body is united in, in, in prayer? And what happens when the body is united in mission and ministry? Here's what happens. We make disciples. We love and develop the disciples. And then we send the disciples. Now, I hear this all the time. Well, you know, pastor, hold on one second. You know, I, I just sometimes I don't feel like praying. Come close. I want to tell you something. Are you close? Come close. I want to tell you something. The world acts by how they feel. In the kingdom of God, we don't act by feeling. In the kingdom of God, we act by command. We're commanded to do the work of God. I don't, listen, in the world, feeling comes and then action. In the kingdom of God, action comes and then feeling. Well, so if anyway, you know what, I, when I get with people to pray, I'm shy. Come close, I want to tell you something. Are y'all, are y'all close enough? Come close. He said, well, I'm just shy. 
The world is shy. You could be shy with your friends. You don't need to be shy with God the Father who paid his life for you to save you and brought you into a body of believers that loves you and cares for you. In the house of God, we're not shy because we're in God's house. We're not feeling kind of people. We act and God gives us the joy to celebrate. And then we're not shy because we're in our Abba's house. This is daddy's house. (laughs) Nobody's shy in the presence of their mom and dad. We're in Abba's house. He's worthy. He's worthy. We not only obey him, but we observe everything that he tells us to do. He's worthy whether we feel like it or not. He is worthy of our surrender whether we feel like it or not. He's worthy of our praise whether we feel like it or not. He's worthy of our worship whether we feel like it or not. He is worthy of our devotion from now until the end of the earth. So listen to me, friend. Listen. What happens when the body is united? When the body is united in prayer, I'm almost done. That's almost done, number one. I'm really, I'm watching the clock. Y'all didn't leave me enough time, but I'm almost done. So here it is. Listen, listen. What happens when it, when, when the body, so, so, and then united in mission and ministry, his vision is revealed. Our mission is defined. And lastly, see, I said lastly. And lastly, his expressions are seen. The expressions of faith are seen. Let me give you four quick statements with an assignment to study. And then we'll go home. Listen, what do I mean by his expressions? Now that we've been in the presence of God, the world knows who we are, what we're like. We function from heaven to earth. By the way, can I just give you a little nugget in here? When the world said Satan is the prince of the age, he's the king of this world, he's not your king. He's not your prince. He's the prince of the king of those that don't believe in Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. I don't belong to this world. I'm from another world. Are y'all all right? That's why I look like a UFO and I talk with an accent. Are you with me, somebody? Because I'm not from this world. He's not my prince. He's my king. I have a king of king, a lord of lord, and his name is Jesus Christ. And you belong to another kingdom. You have a different citizenship. Your affection is toward heaven. And you're here to represent your ambassadorship because you belong to a new God. His name is Jesus. So let me give you four quick expressions. I'll just name them, give you the scripture, and then I will close. Number one, when you are now living in the vision of God, obeying the mission of God, you will release to the earth the expressions of our faith in God. You will release to the earth the expressions of our faith in God. In one of the other corporate prayer meetings, here it is, in one of the other corporate meetings, in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31, just write it down. You know, they've arrested Peter and John because they preached the gospel. And then all of a sudden, what happened? They, they, they said, don't preach in the, name of the, in the name of Jesus. But they came out with boldness and they began to praise the Lord and teach them. And they said, there's no salvation in any other name except in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. But now verses 29 through 31, the Peter and James and John are rejoicing. And because of they, because of their suffering for Christ. So number one, here it is: the first expression of our faith in this world is passion and boldness. 
When you have the vision of God, the mission of God, it will give you passion and boldness. Number two, when you have the vision of God, you're on mission with God. The first expression is passion and boldness. The second expression, here it is, is persistence and belief. We believe in Him. Remember that they, in Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, they arrested James, they killed James. Now they've arrested Peter, they put him in prison. What did the church do? They came to a corporate prayer meeting. They prayed until the house, uh, the prison house shook and it opened up. And Peter came out. He came out and showed up to the house where they were praying. What happens when the people of God are on vision with God, on mission with God, and they're expressing their belief in God? There's persistence and there's defining their belief as, as a strong belief. Number three, not only we are passionate and bold, we become persistent and believing. And number three, we become purposeful and bonded. Purposeful and bonded. The Bible says in Matthew 18, if you, if the two, three of you will come together in my name and you bond together, I will answer your prayers and I'll be right in the middle of you. What happened when you see what God wants you to see? His vision. What happened when you do what God calls you to do? His mission. You begin to express what's in you to the earth around you. You become passionate and bold. You become persistent and strong in belief. And number three, you become purposeful and bonded with the people of God. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. And then lastly, you become powerful and full of authority. Powerful and full of authority. Luke 10, 17, 19 says, I give you authority. To trample on snakes and scorpions. To overcome the power of the enemy. Remember what he said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Hey, I'm going to be with you. I've got authority. I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to be with you to enforce that authority. Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 through 15. I want to read that scripture in closing. Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 through 15. Listen. This is who you are. This is who you belong to. Are y'all all right? If you're all right, say I'm all right. Listen to it. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Are you ready? How many of you love the worship today? Can I see your right hand? Praise God for our worship team. Praise God for the presence of God, our prayer time. But I want you to know who you belong to. All right? So listen. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive with Him. And forgave us all of our trespasses. Can I get a a Baptist hallelujah right up here? Can I get a Baptist amen on this one? Now listen to verse 14. And he erased. I'm about to shout and jump. But I'm trying to calm down right here. Because he erased the certificate of my debt. He paid it all. And all to him I owe. So listen. Am I too loud for y'all? Are y'all all right? I'm trying to be dignified. I just don't know how. He erased the certificate of my debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed us. Listen. My debt opposed me. But what did he do? He took it away. And what did he do with it? What did he do with it? What did he do with it? 
He nailed it to the cross. <laughs> what could have been nailed to my account, he nailed it to his cross. He erased it. But not only that, he not only saved me, he not only freed me, he not only did all of that, he made a conqueror out of me. Listen to verse 15. Are you ready? Listen to verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly and triumphed over them in him. He came to Satan, who was proud and arrogant and haughty. And he said, I'm stripping you of what you think has made a winner out of you. And I'm crowning you in you and you and you and you and you and you. I'm putting a crown on you because you have no sin to account to. You've been set free and now you're my generals in the earth. That's our Jesus. That's the power of prayer. (laughs) It reveals God's vision. We see it. It invites us to God's mission. We have the privilege to do it. It calls us to the expression. And we can go out and literally perform it and act it out. Now you may be sitting here and you're thinking, Well, Fadi, that's wonderful. Praise God for that for you. But I'm not feeling any of that. I'm going to tell you, there's an invitation for you here this morning to come to know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm not a fear guy. I don't want to stand up here and make you afraid. This happened in the earth. Come to Jesus. But let's, can I be real with you? Can we be real for just 10 seconds? What else is out there that is better than Jesus? Who can secure your eternity better than Jesus the Lord? Who can give you eternal citizenship better than God? Can you even outdo his will for you? No, you can't. And I promise you today, if you say, I want to give my life to Jesus based on the authority of the word of God, he will forgive you of your sins. He will wipe away your debt. He will give you a new nature and bring you into the kingdom of God. You can still live on earth, but not as one defeated, but rather as a general conqueror and overcomer in the name of Jesus. You say, he can take away my sins? Yes, he can. If you want to give your life to Jesus, pray a simple prayer like this. Quiet in your heart. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of controlling my own life. I want to give you my life. Come into my heart. Save me, change me, and live with me and through me. Receive all the glory in my life. I promise you, on the authority of the Word of God, He'll change your life. Would you stand up with me? The Lord may lead you today to pray this prayer. You can pray it. Again, simple. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Cleanse me. Live in me and be my Lord and be my God. And He will save you. Our staff will speak to you if you made that decision or if you want to make that decision after we worship. If you want to join this beautiful church, I invite you to come. There's many wonderful churches out there. This is one of those who love Jesus. And you're in a good place, safe place with a great family to be part of the Harpeth Height family here. It's a wonderful thing. I turn it to my sister to lead us in worship, to close us and send us as well. Amen. You and Steve. God bless you.